Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 111 of the Greenlight Podcast, Ephrage POC. And on this episode, we are joined by Ryan Hammer of FanDuel, uh, second time on the pod. Um, you know, we really liked you, man. So welcome I, back. I, I really appreciate it like you guys do. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan brought so many nuggets to the NCAA tournament about travel and all that. So I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. very intrigued by, like, mm. what NBA draft comps or little nuggets we can get out of today. So I'm very, very excited to hop into this. Now, to be I honest, have high expectations and shit. I, I have <laughs> not forgiven myself. I'm not putting the blame on you. I have not <laughs> forgiven myself for being swayed about Providence. I yeah, like, should have picked them, and and I got swayed. I got swayed. That game was donkey. It doesn't. I don't. It was. I'm still. I, I go back. I take the Jackrabbits ten times out of ten. I'll do it again a million times. <laughs> they had. They had such a Providence. Just had that weird, almost like UConn. And what was their horrible, horrible team? Fourteen or eleven. It was 14. And it was like yeah, UConn yeah. Butler, right? Yeah. It was like the worst championship game ever. Yeah, it was like whatever. <laughs> that UConn team was really weird. Like the Providence was weird. They were just like an enigma yeah. all year. And I feel like sometimes you just got to ride with those teams, right? Not to that's mention, yeah, you know, whatever. Anyway, that's not why we're here. <laughs> Let's talk NBA draft. Um, we always like to, Ian, Ian and I always like to make the joke, like we probably watch – you know, look, we don't get paid full time for this. So there's clearly like a top 1% of people that like know this. You're yeah. in that. Your, your job is to talk <laughs> basketball, right? We do this because we love it. So we're not in the top 1%, but I would say we're in the, in the top 10 in terms of like college basketball games watched every oh, year. Yeah. Um, so we think we have a good feel, but every single year we prove that we don't by who we select and where we put them. So we're like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. And then I, I don't, I think I got two picks, maybe three right last year in the entire lottery. Um, I, and yeah, it was bad. It was pretty bad. The one so, thing that gets crazy. I will say with all that makes all this different is once you get a trade or two and it throws things out of whack, yeah, then you're, yeah. It, it, all bets are off. Cause yeah. I mean, and we'll get in. It's like, I, I have a hard time believing of the first six, seven picks that that actually, that all of those teams actually stay like Sacramento or even Indiana. Yeah. Like, and then obviously once you swap another team and the team needs are different, what they think about different guys are different. So it, it can throw it off. But I do think our evaluations on certain guys in college, what we've seen, um, I, I, I trust our, our eyes and our, our, our talent there. And then um, let the chips fall where they may. I don't think people realize that, that like, in, in basketball, at least, I think more of like the draft people are more tend to be more towards college basketball than they are like general NBA people. Like towards the draft, NBA people will be like, "Yep, this team needs this, so they should go for a guy like this." But understanding the, who the guys are, the prospects, like for me, that came from a love for college basketball, and then it expanded to international and G League and whatever. But I think compared to like NFL, where everybody comes from college football, so 
it's like, you know, the path. So in, co- in basketball, college basketball fans understand the prospects more because they come from all over. So I feel like that that's a difference for basketball than other sports and stuff like that it really is just compared to football. But I, like you said, like you guys have an underrated feel for all these guys. And I feel like more college basketball people do understand it, whether it's going to translate to the NBA or not is another story, but yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and we have, we have said this a million times, like guys careers have been made or they've been run out of the league in, in three to five years based on where they were drafted. Like it's so important where that player fits, not necessarily what the team needs. Like if that player does not fit in the culture or in the offense, defensive scheme, like it's, we're going to get it in Sacramento at number four has done this a couple of times to some players. So uh, let's jump in. How about we do this? I will, I'll start, I'll say who I think will get picked at the pick. Then we'll go to Ryan. Then we'll go to Ian and we'll just keep going around. Um, You know, this one's number one is relatively easy for Orlando. I think Jabari Smith is the clear number one in terms of what's been put out there now. I'm not making an argument that he should go or he's definitely better than Chet or Paolo. I don't think we need to make that argument. I just think for what Orlando needs, which is shooting, they're desperate for shooting and scoring. Um, They have some pretty good guards and playmakers. Um, I like him with, with uh, uh, Wendell Carter. Like that's kind of a cool little pairing there. Um, Cole Anthony and, and Fultz and, and him too. Like, I don't know. I think it makes sense. Like, it's pretty straightforward shooting and scoring. Like that's what the NBA is now. What do you think? Right. Yeah. He he's, it seems like he's going to go one. Like, like you said, the reports, everything from what they need. I know there's a lot of, could be like smoke screen stuff, but Chet Chet's camp is doing a lot of making sure he doesn't go one, whether they, he was going to or not in the first place, he's not releasing his medical reports and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think OKC knows behind doors and they have it, but no one else does. It's kind of like strange like that. Um, but Jabari's probably going to go one. Like you said, we can have that conversation. I don't think he's the best player in the class, but he fits in, He fits on any team in the NBA. He's literally a 6'10 shooting guard, to be honest. So you can put him on any team in the NBA because he has size, solid athleticism, and he is an elite three-point shooter, like a crazy three-point shooter at that size too. So I think because of that, he's so easy just to, for the Magic to be like, man, I mean, it does, it's, it's, we can put him on in any kind of offense. We'll be fine. We'll figure it out. So, Yeah, yeah. we talked a lot. I think it was last episode, Paul, just how it seems like, Orlando for like the last like five, six years, they just get these long rangey athletic guys they built. And of all of them, whether it's Jonathan Isaac, whether it's Mo Bamba, whether it's like any of those type of guys, I mean, no one I think is at the talent level that Jabari has. So I do mm-hmm. think that makes a natural fit. Now, what I would love to see Chet and Jalen Suggs run it back, um, Minnehaha Academy to, to the Magic. Um, I do think it would, that would, if I, if I was a magic fan, I, I selfishly, I think, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would almost lean towards that, but I think it's almost too good to pass up on the potential and what, um, what you can get obviously out of, uh, <clears throat> out of Jabari. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right. So we're in alignment. That's easy. That might be the easiest one of the day. So number two, OKC, um, to me, I have I have Chet going number two, and I think one of the main reasons and one of the main storylines that I've been paying attention to is that uh, OKC will be a little bit more committed to like his process and like the development of Chet than maybe some of these other teams. Um, 
I think him and Giddy and Shay complement each other pretty well. Um, here, here's my one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm full stop done with in terms of narratives, especially after watching the Warriors win their fourth is frames mean nothing. How much you can bench means nothing. Uh, how much weight you they think you're going to put on means nothing. I'm, I'm so <laughs> done with it. Steph Curry has proven that. Klay Thompson is not a strong dude. Uh, Chet isn't. Durant. Wiggins isn't, like, super strong. Like, all these wiry, frame, long, you can shoot it and you know how to play basketball, and you have some shit to you, which Chet does, which is, to me, way more important than what you're, you're squatting and benching. Like, I'm done with all that. Anyone on national television or on podcasts like this that says, mm, I'm a little worried about his frame. I'm done. I don't think it matters at all. So I have Chet number two. I think especially like I have been like because people do that all the time, it makes me more defensive of him. And like I don't have a thing for Chet. He's not like I have a list of like my guys in the draft. He's not one of them, but I almost feel like he is because I'm defending him all the time. He when you go back and watch the Memphis game is a good example in the tournament. A lot of people, ah, uh, Dern, Jalen Dern bullied Chet. He bullied Chet. He's not going to last in the league. Like, well, one, Jalen Duren's one of the strongest players. He's the strongest player in the NBA draft, probably. And he's just one of the strongest centers in the entire country of college basketball. And he literally, he dunked on him one time. And if you watch throughout the season, but that game, especially like, I think Chad, like three or four blocks that game, a few steals, he uses his length so well. And like, Paul, you said it, how like he kind of, he absorbs contact really well and he uses his length. So like when Duren wanted to go into him, he kind of let him a little bit and it would almost give him the advantage with his length towering over him. And it's little things like that. Like he understands how to manage his quote unquote bad frame, whatever you want to say. Cause he does, he doesn't have a good frame. Um, I will say about that though. That's what him turning into Giannis, him putting on 40 pounds like Giannis did is what will turn him into an MVP. If it at one day without that, he won't be able to do the things that will make him an MVP. I'm not saying he needs to be that, but if he does have that upside, like hypothetically, if you could put on that pounds, that poundage or whatever, but um, he will put on 20 pounds within a year to hundred percent minimum. And I'm in an NBA facility, like nutritional stuff and the best people, best players and best people in the world to do that. Like I have no problem, but he is going to go to hundred percent, especially if Jabari goes one, there's no reason that Thunder don't do that. Cause they're going to give him the keys also, which no other team would be able to do. So. Yep. I, I totally agree. And that's, and it's the biggest thing. Like Sam Presti is a GM that I think even you can even date back to like original OKC KD, like, they're going to develop and they're going to take the time they need to, to get their guys. They're not going to rush this process. They're going to give them the resources he needs. They've never, now you would think you would hope like at some point, all these guys now Shea is a great player and Shea has established himself. They're going to have to turn a corner, but I don't think that they're now, maybe you're saying Paolo is more ready to contribute and score 25 a game tomorrow. I don't think that's influencing their decision. And I think they're looking at, all right, how do we build a team that complements each other. How do we build a team that is going to compete in the, this next window? And I think Chet just provides that. So I, I totally agree with both of you guys. And, and I, I love him just from a unique skill set perspective. And I, and I think he's act like he's got the thing that's been interesting to see, especially through this, he's got like a, he's very confident. Like he's, yeah. he is very confident in himself. And I mean, he was on a team, obviously, with Drew Timmy that I think outwardly was more vocal. But he's a guy, if you listen to, like, some of his quotes, he's like, no, like, I'm I'm the best player. Like, I'm going to be the best player on this team, whatever I go to. And so um, I think probably OKC is maybe probably the best environment for him potentially as well. So 
I, I have no problem with him going number two. And I think, yeah, it, it's, it's a no brainer there for, for the fit wise for me. Mm-hmm. All right. So number three, Houston, um, this was a toss up for me. I'm going to go Jaden Ivy here. If not Ooh. for the only reason being that he, he just came out a couple of days ago and said he hasn't talked to Sacramento or worked out with them. Yeah. He, he so did. I just don't see him going four, and I don't really see him dropping to five, although he, he could. So this was a weird one for me. Um, Cause I think Paolo will go three. And then that means Ivy will drop to five, six, seven, or eight. Um, so I just thought to me, I was like, he's too good. I'm like, if you're, if you're not going to go Paolo, let's go Ivy here. So honestly, like that was the reason, like not necessarily fit or whatever. I was like, I don't know, where do I see Ivy three or five or six? And I said, I don't know. I'll, I'll go three. It's, it's, I get the reasoning. Like yeah. I, like you said, Paolo's like, if, if that's, that's how one and two goes, Paolo's going to go three. Um, he's I, Paolo's number one on my board just because like, I just know what I'm getting at Apollo, like such a high floor. He's the best all around player. Like there's, I really don't see a weakness, a true weakness in his game. People say like, ah, oh, he's not as, he's not super agile. He's not a great defender. I'm like, well, he is. Cause he's shown that all the time. My favorite thing about him is that like in, e, I think in EYBL, AAU, um, and like high school, he played point guard. He was literally a, a big guard and he kept growing. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that Duke, he was the best player. So it allowed him to be like a point forward. And I think he has that potential. So he has MVP potential because of that. Because like point forwards, like we see LeBron and Tatum and like guys at that size, he's six foot ten. Also, he guys a beast. Beast. Um, but like, Paul is gonna go three, and I very like I understand why he won't go one and two. Also, because he like the difference between those top three guys is the on ball role they command, which the Rockets can offer that I think because they can just kind of like they did with Jalen Green last year, throw yeah, them out but- there and let him just do freaking whatever he's gonna do. And Paul is gonna put up. 25, 10, and six games every now and then, it's going to be awesome, but they're going to win 15, 20 games throughout the year. Yeah, him, Green, Green, and Paolo. Whew, that's yeah. going to be fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be fun. The to watch. one thing that's odd, and I, I will agree, I think that Paolo is, I think Paolo is going to go, um, I think Paolo is going to go number three, in, in my opinion. I think natural fit. And obviously, I think people are putting too much stock into the fact that. Rock has traded Christian Wood and just being like that. Teams don't just it's like, oh, trading Christian Wood a week before because we're picking Paolo because there's two teams ahead of him that could pick Paolo. And it, that, I think they're looking too much into that. But I do think there's a natural fit there um, w- within there. And he's, I think, the most ready maybe to step in right tomorrow. Like you said, Ryan, 25, 10. The one thing that's weird, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but in, in terms of odds, apparently his odds to go first yesterday were plus 1600 this morning they're plus 900 and now they've dropped to plus 400 oh, so whether wherever that's weird. whether that's intel with that speculation i don't know where they are at FanDuel right now but it, it it's kind of crazy nah, that the fact was, that they're dropping that heavy i'm not going to speak on anything i'm not it's not my job to do that um <laughs> i my get my guess honestly i've been monitoring this for a few hours now i've been like trying to figure out what's going on looking around on different books it's on every book i think that it started with one book and maybe there's a lot of liability on it and really high odds. And they're like, you know what, because we know that there's a top three and stuff like that. And there's been reports of him maybe going one that they're like, we just kind of want to cover our ass. And if he's at plus, like it's a four, four X difference from yesterday yeah. today. Right. So like people are going to start betting it as it comes down more and more now, but it's at a different price where like you were definitely getting people to bet it. Cause they're like, Oh, Paul is the best player. He might go number one plus 1600. I'm taking that. So I yeah. feel like it's liability stuff, but 
that's who knows yeah who knows it's crazy. Uh, um, yeah that's crazy um all right let's go to four this is where i had paolo and i i typed in will sacramento ruin another duke star free my <laughs> free my man marvin bagley um so look I, yeah I, I don't need to go into why i like paolo i here here's my one thing with him and that i was really my only frustration with him as a duke fan all year was rebounding was just not there for a 610 dude i think to your point ryan when you grow up your whole life and you're a guard you know your mentality is not hey i got a rebound when all of a sudden you you get stretched out to 610 like people have different expectations of you um and he's and he's like 250 you know so like by default you got to get eight nine rebounds a game right so that part wasn't there defensively sometimes he would fall asleep you know i think whatever the reason you want to throw out there was he saving himself for offense like his usage rate was probably at a million percent you know what i mean like duke ran everything through him um so anyway i had ivy at three i have paolo at four who, who you guys got at four um oh god this is a mess i think the kings are doing everything they can to shop to, yep. to, to they're, trade they're back shopping they're listening they're not or out or they're going like i know as not only as a Hawks fan, just like an NBA in general, like John Collins, the Hawks are being aggressive and John Collins and the Kings are a conversation, but apparently four hasn't been involved, but I can make sense for it to be like Barnes and four for 16 and Collins or something like that. But if the Kings stay at four and get Collins, then they can figure out to take Ivy because they'll probably include Davion in the trade, whatever. Um, I know they're, they're listening to every trade offer and they're probably getting calls from the Wizards, the Knicks, everybody. If they're there at four, and they didn't trade Davion. I am. I have Keegan Murray there, so I, like I'm going to act as if they haven't made a trade yet because they haven't. Okay. So I know they love Keegan. And my thing about like Ivy hasn't worked out with them. He hasn't talked to them. They've trade. They've drafted guys in that situation before, but like they're going to great lengths for other guys. Keegan Murray is literally having dinner with De'Aaron Fox. I think tomorrow night or something like that or tonight. Like they're setting up a dinner, or like that. Like and Ivy hasn't even had a conversation with them. Like that makes no sense to me. I know the mm-hmm. owner loves Keegan. I know new Mike Brown, new head coach, likes Keegan. Like it seems like it's going to happen if they're drafting at four and they don't have Davion on the team anymore. Yeah, Ryan hit on. He just mentioned the one thing. There's there's one thing that made me put Keegan Murray in this spot, and it's Vivek Ranadive because I don't know if you guys remember. I thought it was. I guess it was probably his first year of owning the team. The V League when I don't remember who they were between. It was Nick Stauskas <laughs> and someone else. And the V League, and he's just like, I like Stauskas. I like Stauskas. And kind of guys are going back. He's like, uh, I like Stauskas. And he's a smaller, like, he's not timid, but he's not like a, he's not a Mark Cuban, like, no, we're, pay, we're taking, like, he's timid, but he got his way. And it was, and I, I can just see if the fact that it's leaking out that he likes Keegan Murray, I don't think is, I, I don't, I don't think that's a smoke screen or anything like that. I think it, there must be some legs to it, but I agree. I, I can see them moving the pick, but I, and then if they stay there though, um, just because of the reports of Vivek liking Keegan Murray, I'm going to go there. And, and I have Jaden sliding, sliding a little bit. Okay. Um, number five, Detroit Pistons. I actually have Shaden Sharp here. Um, I just really like him with Cade Cunningham. Super athletic. Can create his own shot. You know, good shooter. Um, so I, I have Sharp. You know, I, I just – again, here's <laughs> – Here's why I'm not good at this, uh, because I start doing research and like thinking back to the year and then I start picturing like, oh, who would they be good with? 
And like, why do I want them to go here? And then I make that pick. So I'm not good at this at all. This was another one of those like, oh yeah, I would like to see that. I, I think he could go five. Like he could easily go like 12. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I have Shaden Sharp at five. I do the same thing. Like I'm to be honest, like I made Sony mock drafts and do like, and like really content. I'll never let it get like, if I'm going to publish something, I don't want it to get too out of whack. But like when Jalen, example, when Jalen Williams from Santa Clara was rising up ranks through the draft process, like give it maybe a month ago when I was, I did a mock draft. I had him going 16 to the Hawks at the time. He was like probably in the 25 to 30 range. Like he was climbing. He was getting there. And I was like, you know what? Why wouldn't the Hawks take a sec- a guy that can be a second star next to Trey? As a Hawks fan, I want to see that. I'm doing it in my mock draft. But it makes sense. But like, I think we're all a victim of that. Like we all, or we're all culprit of it, I guess. But, um, and Sharp, that makes sense. Like they need a two guard next to him. Right now in my, my little mock here, I have Ivy on the board. Like Ivy and Cade, yeah. I swear, if, if Ivy goes to the Pistons, and they have a and they get rid of Jeremy Grant for something. Even if they have Jeremy Grant, I don't really care. Like they will be a dark horse playing team. They will go to the playoffs in two years within the next two years. Like that team is going to be so good. Cade is like we're going to win MVP one day. Ivy could very well get to like Donovan Mitchell level. Like, yep. that is that's dangerous. That is dangerous. Yeah. Those two, those two together. Whew. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I like that. I, I would, I do not. Um, I had, I actually went Benedict Matherin here. I almost mm. just kind of as a wild card. I yeah. think he can space the floor. He's obviously a great shooter. There's like a toughness about him too, that I kind of see ran with, with Detroit that I really like. I, I don't dislike you guys taking and shade in there as well. I think there's, I have him you know, pretty soon. I mean, he's, it's weird because his talent, everyone just talks about his talent, his talent, his talent. Um, the one thing I like about obviously Benedict is we saw him have an absolutely unbelievable season at, at, uh, at Arizona, um, solid defender. I think he fits well in there, but, um, I, I just, uh, I, I was high on Benedict Matherin. I just have him going a little bit earlier. Um, all right, let's go to Indiana at number six. This is where I had Keegan Murray because I just thought it was the best fit for both the player and the team. Keegan Murray, Halliburton and Duarte is elite and then you throw like brogdon in the corner like that's serious that's a that's a really good four-man rotate. and i know they got other guys but like that's really really good um and i just thought it made sense for both the team and the player um so yeah i this is where i had keegan yeah that makes sense this is probably his floor keegan like if he goes past four the pistons will probably heavily consider him especially if they consider if they're going to move grant at all yeah. Um, but then, like, if he, he might slide there and then six, probably like, if he's on the board, the pace is probably like nice. You got to take him, right? Brisk walk to the podium. Maybe not a sprint, but a brisk walk. Yeah. Um, I have better than Matherin here. Matherin, like, and you said a lot about him. Like, that makes a, a ton of sense. They, like, Buddy Heel doesn't do the same things that Matherin does. They do a little similar, but they, like, they're rumored to move Brogdon, Miles Turner. They could be doing a lot right now. I have no idea what they're going to be doing, but to add like a really good athlete who can shoot and, he has that level of grit in him. I think he definitely needs like an NBA polish, which not everybody needs. It sounds really cliche and stupid, but he needs that. Like he was a very good college player and that's where you saw that grit and stuff like that. Um, but he definitely projects to be a really good shooter mechanic wise, efficiency wise, statistically, analytically. Uh, it makes, I think he's a top like seven, eight player in the class. I thought about Dyson Daniels here. He's, I love yeah. Dyson Daniels a lot. Like he's number five on my board, yeah. but if they're, if they don't move Brogdon by draft night, they can't, they can't take him. I don't think I, I just can't think they, I don't think they do that. Yeah. Yep. Now I got, so I obviously had Jaden. I had not, I had Jaden sliding a little bit. I have Jaden going here. I don't know. Like this is obviously definitely the, the floor for him. Um, and I, I probably would be surprised. 
Now, the only thing I want to touch on, and as in selfishly as a Knicks fan, dream scenario here. And honestly, as a Virginia fan too. One, I will take, I'll gladly take Malcolm Brogdon um, on the Knicks. I think I would love to have Malcolm Brogdon. But if the Knicks could somehow find a way to finesse a trade with Indiana and find a way to get if I and pull a Macal Bridges of the hometown team taking Jaden Ivey and then literally just flipping him to New York like that. That would be that's my dream scenario. So I'm just gonna put that out there just in case something uh, I needed out in the universe and and uh, Lavar Ball speak it into existence. But I have Jaden going there. Do I say is there actually is there gonna be a trade? I'm not. I don't think that's realistic. But um, yeah, it, either way, it would be really cool. I mean, for him to be able to stay in Indiana. So I I have that at least there because I don't see him falling. How any chance he could fall past uh, past Indy there. I want to give you a quick, a quick scenario. Knicks, I do this with my Knicks fans, friends all the time. So I'm from New Jersey. Like everybody's Knicks fans around me, my best friends. I'll, I do their trades. I imagine if they go for Brogdon, they won't be able to get six because Brogdon is like the higher commodity that will be in the package. Yep. But say you get Brogdon and six, you have to give up 11. Ne- uh, first next year, I think you guys have two. A first next year, Obi and like, Ooh. and I don't even know. They like Burks, something like that, or, or, some, uh, or something where like it's a roll guy, but you have to give up one of Obi or quickly or something like that, and a future pick and 11. Not and quickly. And Brogdon. Not yeah. to me, not well, quickly because the, the guard point. If they want, like, if they want to guard back and you kind of balance the, the backboard, yeah. but you, you, you play Brogdon and quickly, it makes sense for you guys. But um, that's what you it's take tough. that offer, or you're like, it's you know tough what? Because I'm, gonna... I'm like, you can open that door over there. I've got two Malcolm Brogdon jerseys, uh, Virginia jerseys. So it's, 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 uh, it's hard to not be unbiased, but I, and so, but I still, I don't know. I, I don't think they would. I, I, I love, I think Obi has a lot of potential. I don't know how they get away from Julius Randle, and I don't know if they can or they will. <laughs> I, I just, that, that's my issue with giving away that. Yeah. If, if there's, if there's a way, that if they had to pee, get uh, if they had to do away with quickly attaching him with Julius Randall or something like that to make it work, I'm fine with it. I, I just don't see the Julius Randall relationship with the Knicks or the fans, or not necessarily the fans, but I, I don't see it being long lasting. And so I would ra- I would I wouldn't want to give up essentially first round pick from two years ago, but the next first. Um, unless it was like the absolute point guard of the future that you felt confident in. It was unless like, honestly, like probably Jay and Ivy, but that's yeah. about it for me. Um, all right, let's go to seven Portland. Uh, this is where I had uh, Sir Benedict. Um, I think he's a little bit further along than Johnny Davis and AJ Griffin. Uh, I know that the Blazers are trying to win now. Um, there's also talk about them trading the pick. So who knows? Um, but Benedict, man, you know, we, we've already talked about him, but he can score at every level. He's worked out with Portland a couple times and the new assistant GM, ding, 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 a U of a alum. So, I mean, does that make sense or does that make sense? So, uh, yeah, I got Benedict at seven. What about you, Ryan? I didn't know that. It's good to see you're bringing all this stuff. Now. I don't know how, uh, any of that cool information. That is, that's good. That's a good to know. It's a little tidbit. When, little when tidbit. it happens, you're like, oh, okay. They're going to put it on ESPN. And I'll come back to you. <laughs> um, this is, we talked about the Knicks trading Randall. This is the only team that I think Julius Randall makes sense on a team that like, they're not going to contend, but they can actually be a solid playoff team. If Julius is half decent, cause Dame needs somebody else. Um, I don't know if that happens. I don't know if either team has the huevos to pull the trigger on what the package will ultimately be, yeah. but like something like Randall and 11 for like seven and like 
I don't even know if it'd be Josh Hart, like say Josh Hart, right? Um, it makes sense going both ways, but like the Knicks wouldn't be able to get Ivy. They'd probably get Dyson Daniels here, who may, oh, I love in New York. That's like the perfect fit. Yeah. Um, but trades aside, I have Dyson Daniels going here strictly because he can't fall any further than me. His floor is probably eight, but like at some point, the Blazers are going to have to rebuild, whether it's in a year or three years. They're going to have to rebuild. They need young guys that they know are going to be like their best players available in the draft. And I think Dyson offers a good balance of that and also being really good now to offer really good defense, secondary playmaking for Dame, and he can fit next to him. He's like a six, seven, six, eight guard. He can be a lead guard when Dame is done with, with Simons and Nasir Little and Greg Brown and the young core. Um, and I think the Blazers maybe are surprised Dyson fell past five and six, and they're like, you know what? Let's take him. We know he can. We know what he's going to do. He fits anywhere, kind of like Jabari fits on every team. Dyson can fit everywhere too. Yeah, I, I actually like I like that a lot. And for that same reason, and you guys have already talked about him a lot. I have shaded sharp there, um, mm-hmm. just because it's a young guy taking a chance on a lot of talent. He's got shooting. You can play Lillard, Simons, Sharp, all, all of them really t- together. I, I really like him. I, I don't want to spend too much on him because you guys have obviously praised him, but I do think that. Um, wherever they go there, I think if, whether they hold on to it or they trade it or what, I think they're drafting for the, I think potentially the highest upside, whether it's, it is passing it off or, Hey, this is someone we believe can grow into this. They're not going to get a Sherlock, one of those top three guys, clearly everyone after that, you can maybe throw Jaden in there has some unpredictability or a little bit of, of, of unknown about them. Um, so I, I, I love D- Dyson Daniels a possibility, but, and I just had Shaden still on the board there. So I would take, I've, I've got Shaden Sharp going to, to Portland. Okay. So this is where we're interchanging a lot of guys. So now number eight, New Orleans, uh, I have Dyson Daniels. So we, I don't want to talk about Dyson. What I want to talk about is who are they drafting for Ingram or Zion? Who are they building this team around is Zion? Are they, are they just, Hey, we got one more year and he's gone. Is this going to be a mid season trade? Is this dude ever going to play again? I mean, where are we at? I take my I take my chance. Like, if you're the Pelicans, from what everything I know that they like, I don't have like super inside league sources, but like they're going to give Isaiah a five year max deal, whatever they have to do to keep him. Like, and if he plays, like it's the Pelicans are going to be absolutely disgusting. And I think they're building around both, with okay. the primary focus being Zion. He's still like a generational guy as a prospect and his style of play and what he can do. Like. He shoots like 100% from the field when he plays like 25 points a game. It's, it's unreal. I think the, the answer is him if you want to choose one. But the idea is that they're building a dark horse like playoff contender, maybe. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So then who, who did you have at eight with New Orleans? So this is where it gets really tough for me because like I'm actually finalizing, finishing my last mock draft, like probably post tomorrow, maybe even like into Wednesday. But it's tough. They haven't worked out sharp. They haven't talked a lot with him. But like he falls to he falls more and more and more. With Dyson off the board in my thing, guys like and they need a point guard so much. Like they need they need Dyson yeah. so badly, like creativity and like they need three point shooting also. So that guys like AJ Griffin make a lot of sense, even though I don't love AJ. He fits very well in New Orleans. Malachi Branham, guys like that. Like I go back and forth. I have Sharp as of right now because I don't think he's like super raw and he's gonna take a long time. I just think there's some it's a little bit of a risk and some questions. But he could be he there's the upside is he's fine right right away. And he you're like, okay, he's gonna be good. We'll work on the development like every other prospect. Um, but he's a good athlete to add to the group. He can shoot, like he can, he's got a smooth like step back game. He's not like you have good athletes on the team to penetrate the paint, to cut and stuff like that that he won't need to do all the time. Um, I'm not this is this is where I start to have a lot of question marks. And I have sharp at eight, but I don't know. 
I, once again, for one reason, one reason only, the the New Orleans Blue Devils. I've got AJ <laughs> Griffin. Um, they need shooting. Obviously, he's probably. I mean, Paul, we've talked about him a million times on the pod. So much talent, and at times you look like he's a top, like a lock to be a top five pick. At other times, he just completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously one Ingram, Zion, Trajan Langdon. You had I mean, you had shoot at one point they had like they had Okafor, they had. Reddick. Frank Jackson, like you had, and JJ, you Frank had Jackson. the whole team. So we got you got to replace some of those. Um, I, I think I can see them. I mean, they're at that point, like you said, that where if Zion comes back, I mean, they're a playoff team with that, with even without him, they, as yeah. they were this past year. What's someone that can step in right now, make that impact? And that's, I do think that AJ's got the build, he's got the experience. Grand one year at Duke, I, I like AJ there. Um, but, and that's, that's, that's why I went that route, but, um, the Duke side, the shooting piece, the, the ability to step right in. That was, that was my reason for, for AJ Griffin. Um, all right, let's go to nine San Antonio. Uh, I went to Baylor here. I went to, uh, Jeremy Socon. Uh, I think they need a four man. Um, I think they need a guy that can bring defense immediately. Um, I also think, although Jeremy's not necessarily a great shooter right now, Spurs have have obviously a really good track record of developing shooting. Um, so I got Jeremy there. He's kind of like one of those, like not really talked about, but everyone is in consensus that he's going to be good type draft picks. Like it's just one of those like, Oh yeah. Okay. Good job. Like no one's really excited about him, but no one's, no one is saying he's not going to be good type guys. So yeah, and, and that doesn't that sound like every San Antonio player ever? Like, hey, we're not really excited about him, but he's got potential to be Tim freaking Duncan. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I got him at San Antonio. He's the freaking best, man. I Like, he's my favorite prospect in the whole class. I love him so much. He, like, the whole, his whole upbringing through COVID and in and out of Germany, Poland, England, U.S., Indiana, and high school, and then – Yeah, Bay, has, like- hasn't he lived in five places in five or – not five, his family's but. from like Poland originally, and then from, but live in England. He was in England, went to high school in the U.S., but COVID, so he had to go back. And then he played in Poland for the national team. He went to Germany during COVID when it opened up, and then he came back to Waco for Baylor. Like, and he he I love I've done so much studying on him, like as a person too. He's super humble and he understands the game from so many aspects because of that. And I think that that shows him like how he does. He does a little bit of everything. He really is like a Swiss Army knife, like very Scotty Barnes esque to me. Um, and that's why he's my favorite. And like, he has a really good humility and energy level to him. And even on the court, like we saw in the UNC game, he sparked their comeback. Like he's mm-hmm. sparked, he was without him that they don't make any kind of comeback from down 30. Um, I went on a little rant there because I literally love that man so much, but <laughs> I, and he, I think it's one of the three guys at nine for this, for the Spurs. I haven't taken Jalen Duren right now. I love Jalen Duren. I think he has a higher floor than people know. He's, I think he's the youngest prospect in the class. I'm pretty sure that still stands or one of the youngest five. He's a pretty good, a pretty young 18 right now, but they definitely need front court help. Like Paul, you said it power forward and the five, they might move off of Yaka Pirtle. He definitely doesn't fit their like agenda long-term, but Duren makes a ton of sense. Like if he's in the board, I, I, I could see them going so on here and another guy, but um, I have Duren. Yeah, I had Sochan as well there. I mean, I think I, I we're aligned on that side. I think he he's got a ton of potential. I mean, we I didn't watch Baylor probably as much and, and as much as um, I probably should have, but it, it makes sense. It's taking someone for upside, and and we know like there's not going to be. It's I mean, it's got to be what probably pops one of his last picks. Like I yeah. mean, it, it, and it's someone that I think 
I don't think they're going to compete right away. I don't think like this year, and I don't think they're in a spot to draft like someone that's going to step in and, and stuff. But I do think he wants to set up the organization for the future, no matter what. Um, and I think he's going to, and whoever they're taking is is going to be still this to be a long term pick. So I, I do like Sojan there as well. All right. So number ten, I think is this is the pick I struggled with more than any pick in the lottery. Um, I don't know where Washington's going. You know, do you, do you go, do you just pick the best player available or do you trade it? Do you, uh, you know, they're not going to trade Beal obviously, but like, you know, what, what do they do? I don't know. So what my, my thought process was like, all right, like what's, what's usually a guarantee and a senior on a national championship team is usually a guarantee of, of, solid production so yeah i went to kansas um abaji i i think he helps beal you know i don't know how good he is right away but i struggled with this pick i think you literally could pick like seven guys here maybe even more so i i, I struggled they're yeah. the weird they're hundred the weirdest team in the lottery like they beal is not young they could be a, a playing team if they draft right and, and do the offseason right but they're also kind of young behind like Rui and, and Denny and guys like that. And they're not close to contending. So should they just go full rebuild? So they can go anybody. Um, they need a point guard also, but like, like that's if they want to win that. Like Dyson Daniels makes sense, but they'd have to move up for him. Um, I have him going Johnny Davis here. I think yeah. he can learn. He can learn as a scorer behind Beal. And he can also learn as a playmaker more of the ball in his hands by helping Beal and playing next to him. Um, and he kind of teeters that balance. He's only 20, like sophomore. He teeters that good balance of like, he can be uh, he can be like a little a bit of a star maybe down the road at some point, but he could also like uh, he could also be an instant impact guy because you know what you're, he's a really very polished scorer, high floor in my opinion. Um, yeah. So I have him going Davis. I exact same thing, and I think if you look at they took last year, I think they probably surprised a lot of people by uh, by taking Corey Kispert. Like they're clearly they're looking for shooting, they're looking for those floor spacers. I don't think that they feel like they had. And I'm, I'm looking at stats now. I mean Kispert average eight points a game he shot 35 percent from three um i don't think that they feel like they absolutely hit the lottery there um and so i I think you just keep trying to plug away and find shooters you're eventually hopefully going to hit on a couple um and guys that you can interchange so i like i I like johnny was there as well um and i can see that fit there in in washington for sure okay the freaking knickerbockers man um (laughs) number 11 i went aj griffin now I'm very nervous for AJ to, first of all, just I'm nervous for him. Cause I think he's confusing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, here's why AJ Griffin will play 12 years in the NBA because he can shoot the shit out of the ball. Here's <laughs> why he won't play 12 years in the NBA. Cause he's got bad knees and he's young as hell already. He's weird athletic where he yeah. literally had like, and one dunks that made you think like, why aren't you doing this every single time? But then, like, defensively, sometimes he'd get burned, like, on the ball. It, he was just – he's one of the more confusing – Yeah, he's one of the more confusing Duke players I've seen in, in I don't know, the last decade. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like him here because the Knicks need shooting. Everybody needs shooting. And, like, he's not going to need – can he break you uh, off the dribble? Absolutely. Does he have to do it every possession on the Knicks? Absolutely not. So that's why I'm like, all right, like he can sit on the corner. I think he compliments RJ well. I don't know. I got him at 11. The Knicks, 
like everyone needs shooting, but like yeah. Nick's one of like five teams that like really need three point shooting bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, AJ, like he's super, it's, it's rare to say at a young age, I said the same thing about Dern actually, that such a young age that he has a high floor, but literally because he can shoot the shit out of the ball. Like it's right. And, he, and that holds a lot of value. I don't buy into his athleticism because of the injuries and also because of the inconsistency, especially agility wise side to side. I think you see that a lot on defense. He gets he gets burned a lot, especially backdoor cuts, stuff like that, when he's not paying attention and uh, it doesn't help. But yeah. he like I don't see him as as a plus athlete though. I see him definitely as a negative athlete. Um and on ball limitations, consistency and stuff like that. I have a lot of I have a lot of questions like to how he's gonna become like a star. But if he can shoot and score 13 a night, shooting 42% from three, like, like can, and you look can, back on it and yeah. I, I hate comparisons because then, like, immediately your brain just goes to that player. But, like, can he be the best P.J. Tucker ever was? Someone else said to me, I forget where I was, but, like, he could. But P.J. is like a dog on defense. AJ yeah, yeah, have, I know. But A.J.'s got time. Like, P.J. is old at this point, so it took him years to get there. I compare him to, like, Sadiq Bay a little bit, but I don't yeah. love that either. But it's – Sadiq Bay is a better – maybe he's not a better score off a dribble. He's, he had a 50 ball, though, to be fair. So – uh, this year, I don't know. I so AJ makes sense for me here. I have them going Malachi Branham, but yeah. AJ, like I was, I had AJ penciled in at first, but Branham, he's been in like eight to 14 range conversations. I don't think it's eight, I think it's more like 10, 11 to like 16, 17 range. Um, super efficient scorer. You want offense, you go to him if you don't care about the defensive side. And the Knicks, like they can care about defense, but. I think they can rely on Tibbs and their development system that they have with other guys to work on that because they need offense so bad. They need shooting. He's a real, I think he's the best guard or wing, whatever you want to classify him as uh, in percentile shooting after like AJ Griffin or something like that. So like he makes a lot of sense. He's very Chris Middleton-esque on offense. Yeah. Um, and the Knicks could use offense. I think it makes sense. Like you could argue a bunch of other guys, I think, but like I still have Sohan on my board, but I have Brandon here. Yeah. I, so I had Jalen Duran here. I don't know. Like I can all, I can see him going a couple of picks ahead. I can also see him falling a little bit. I think it's Mitchell Robinson, like restricted free agent or unrestricted. I, I know he's not oh, locked he's, in for the Knicks. He's a free um, agent though. I know that. Yeah, He is a free agent. Um, obviously Julius Randall, that situation, who knows what's going to happen. You've got supposed players. My thing with, with that is one, it, it's an anchor. It also allows you to, not have to worry about Mitchell Robinson. I mean, I think they would like to obviously keep him. Um, I, I think Duran has a ton of potential um, and especially allows them some flexibility of like, all right, if we move on from, um, if we move on from Julius, I think Obi Toppin and Duran can play together. I think if, if they move on, if they keep him, Julius and Duran can play together and you've got, you've got, you solidify a front court. Now, I think the biggest need, in my opinion, from the, I, they need a Emmanuel quickly. I like. Do I think he's long term? The long term starting point guard yeah. answer? No. Um, I really hope they don't reach for Ty Ty Washington just with the Kentucky connection, all that. I don't think that at eleven you're getting your at least with this craft. I have a hard time believing that they would take Dyson Daniels um, if he if, if he was there. I'd be happy with it um, with either of those, but. I'm just going for, all right, take another cornerstone piece that you can put in there, lock in for the next five, seven years with Duran, um, but would not be surprised if they found a way to um, reach for someone there that maybe shouldn't be going as high. That's my only I don't screen. like Ty Ty. I, I know Knicks fans like 
maybe you guys are just tired of hearing it because it's been that way for a long time. And like, I am a fan of Ty Ty overall. I'm not like crazy high, but like I, it's funny seeing people like not be okay because like he has a very similar statistical profile from college and what he's good at to Tyrese, <laughs> Tyrese Maxey coming out of school. Yeah. And I think he plays a lot like Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. And he might slide to like 21, 22, like Tyrese Maxey did. And yeah. I was like, well, I think people might be in trouble in like five years after that. So no, I can definitely see that. And and the one thing I'll say is, is all this, I'm getting greedy. And I like, I, I already mentioned, like, I want Mal- go after Malcolm Brogdon. Like, I think mm-hmm. the obvious apple of everyone's eye in New York is, is, is bringing in Donovan Mitchell and what, all right. What, what, what potential draft pick could they also pick that could also entice Utah. If you are going to move on, if I had any choice of all this, I would say I, I would do, I would take someone that is going to give you potential to be that cornerstone, but also is solidified enough that is going to entice someone like a Utah or even like a Portland that in a trade that makes sense for them, figure out, all right, we can ship them off and it's not, um, it, it's, it's not going to uh, hamper us. So we'll see. Hmm. Um, all right. Number 12, uh, I think AJ Griffin and, and uh, Malachi could be swapped and that's what I did. So I have Malachi at 12. He's a big uh, and he can shoot like pretty simple um, big guard anyway. Uh, yeah. I got Malachi at 12. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. Like two similar guys. Um, I have Usman Jang here. I love mm. Usman Jang. I think he could be like, he could be the few, like one of the future stars of the NBA in years where you're like, Holy shit. How did we miss this guy? Like what were we looking at? He had a really up and down season. He started bad in the NBL, but it took a lot of transition from like coming from France, playing for FIBA U18 team in France and like high school in Europe, whatever you want to call it, but straight to NBL. It took a huge transition for him, but he turned it on at the end of the year. Um, and I love him. I think he does a lot. 6'10 wing. He's super polished and smooth on the ball, creating for himself and others that he should at that size, that he where he really shouldn't be like that. Um, it makes sense to the Thunder organization that could take him. I also, this was the third guy at, at nine for the Spurs. I think they might consider when he, if he, if he goes nine on draft night, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I know people will be, um, but he's a top 10 guy in my eyes on my board. Uh, it makes a lot of sense in the, for the Thunder. If they come out with Chet and Jang, like that team's going to be, they're going to have some unicorns on their teams. going to be freaky. Yeah. I had Jang as well, just for that same piece. Same thing when we went back to with Chet. I think you're drafting guys for potential. And also you look at, they've built a little uh, NBL pipeline of Giddy last year, you're Jang sure, this yeah. year. Hopefully there's just the, the, the theme there as well. But I mean, once again, it, it's a guy that if they're going to give Chet time to develop and this team, mm-hmm. it's another guy that can develop right along with him. And you can figure out what you have um, as these guys grow. So um, I obviously have not watched a ton of tape on this guy or read a ton on him, but I think from a, a natural fit of, Hey, let's take someone that we can, we can develop over the next few years. It makes a ton of sense. I'll give you my word. I've watched a lot of unnecessary NBL tape. He's a star. I promise. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Number 13, uh, does the number one UNC player of all time draft a dookie? I say he does. I have Mark Williams going here. Um, I think they need defense in the worst way. I think him and LaMelo in the pick and roll and in transition would be pretty elite. Uh, and I also think he's the best rim protector rim protector in the draft. Um, it makes all the sense in the world, but is Jordan ego too big to draft a dookie? Could be. <laughs> Hope not, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, could be, you know. Um, so I got Mark Williams. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually think he, if Dern goes like nine, I think Williams could, like the Knicks might consider him there. Like they very well, very well might. Raphael Barlow is a big NBA draft guy. He reported that 
the Knicks like have always been a fan of his and like which is an interesting thing to, to consider. I like Mark Williams. They have two picks here. The Hornets, thirteen and fifteen. Yeah, um, yeah. And we're not they yeah. can get him. We're not going to get into the lottery. We're not getting into the lottery stuff. So I think the Cavs had a rumor of trading down. There's a rumor about them trading down. I think that's a smokescreen so that they take Mark Williams so that like the Hornets take Mark Williams at thirteen because and then because they act like a team's going to trade up for a center behind them. If they don't take him at 13, they can't get a 15. If that makes sense. So I think it's a smoke screen. So that guys like Sohan or AJ Griffin or Jang falls past because Mark Williams has to go at 13. If that makes sense. That was a lot. Yep. But, yep. Um, but I have Jeremy Sohan going at 13. I think if he isn't, he, there's no way he goes past here. He like, like I, we talked enough about him. He's going to bring the defense and a decent front court presence that they need. Uh, he's going to have a lot of like energy and stuff like that, that, that raises their level. So he's, he's an easy pick at 13. Yeah. John, all right, Paul, I, I do not dislike your pick of Mark Williams because I actually have Hornets taking him at 15. I have him on the come around. Um, this one, though, the interesting thing for me, I actually originally had Ty Ty penciled in here. I can see another Kentucky guy. I'd see him trying to play him with Lamar and all that. But um, the one the one that I do really think is interesting there is is Dyson Daniels. Now, I, I've you guys mm-hmm. have him both going early. I have him following. I like a guard with that first pick, and I like Mark Williams following behind that. This is one I really not know really where to go um, with with either of these, but I I have them waiting on Mark for until fifteen, um, and then taking a guard here. If he's there, um, I think I I'll, I'll take Dyson Daniels, um, just because I hadn't had gone off the board at all yet. Um, but and I don't want to pull what I did a couple of years ago. I feel like Paul, we got through like the whole sixteen, and I had. I don't even, oh, it was last year. It was someone, whoever went to, uh, I think it was like Kaminga. I think I was just like, we got to the lottery and I didn't have Kaminga going anywhere. <laughs> so I don't want to do that again. So I'm just going to say Dyson Daniels, um, but can also see another reach there for, for Ty Ty. All right, let's go to the 216 Cleveland. Uh, I have Johnny Davis. Um, I think he pairs really well with Mobley and Garland. Um, I think it's a great fit for both sides. I debated putting Johnny to New York at 11. Um, but so I, I had him going to Cleveland. I my, I guess my question here is, do they trade Sexton if they draft Johnny Davis? Or do you think? I think they might trade Sexton no matter what. Yeah, maybe. True. Maybe. But anyway, I got Johnny Davis. I think the Sexton thing more depends on the market for him, I think. Well, no matter who they draft. Um, yeah. Not because of need. But like him and Garland being small also doesn't help. So I have AJ Griffin on the board and the Cavs, I think, are a bottom five team, three-point shooting. They definitely need some outside help. They have a really good defense. They don't need to rely on him defensively right away. Uh, I have him going AJ Griffin. If he falls to 14, he's here. Like I said, I'm not at, as high as others, um, but I don't think they trade down either. I, like I said, I think that report is BS. And if I'm the Hornets, I say, fine, go ahead. Like, sacrifice your own players and value and chance to be in the playoffs next year just to try to, like, if you want to actually want to trade down like that. Um, and then I that was the whole Mark Williams, that 15 thing, but I have Adrian Griffin going here. I could very Ochak Baji and Branham. If he's on the board are yep. definitely going to be heavily considered. Yeah. I actually think it's going to end up being one of those guys. I don't think AJ comes here, but in this mock, he is, I think it's going to be at Abaji or Branham. I also think Jalen Williams at Santa Clara makes a lot of sense next to Garland. He's a bigger guard, also a playmaker. They balance each other out pretty well, um, but we'll see what happens. I've got a Baji. Yeah. Same reason. I think, He's going to shoot the ball. He's going to be tough. He's going to play good defense. He's going to fit in like those guys, like the core they have. Um, I think he he kind of fits in naturally. Like, is he going to be a centerpiece of them? No. And I don't think they want him to be. That's it's, they've got 
kind of the two building blocks there. And, and he's a great complimentary piece for him. Um, so I, yeah, I like, I like Ochai there um, to, to Cleveland. All right. Number 15, Charlotte again. Uh, I have Jalen Duran. Um, you know, he didn't have the best year by any means. I, I, I went like the double bigs here for Charlotte. Um, I think Jalen looks like most centers in the league now. He can guard multiple positions. Um, yeah, I, I, I went Jalen to round it out. Yeah, I don't think – yeah, if, he, if he's in the board for the Hornets, they there's no world where the Hornets don't take yeah. Jalen like Duran if he's on the board. Uh, I, we already talked about it. I have Willett Mark Williams on 15 because of all the reports, and they need a center, and it makes a lot of sense, so. Yep. Yep. Same thing with Mark. I mean, you, the way that Lamelo plays and be able to toss. Like, look how many of those like balls did Duke just literally just throw at the rim, and it was just Mark Williams just there, dropped down, like anchor a defense. He can play with those guys. Um, I mean, I think he's he, he can be a natural fit within that roster. And so, and I feel like, and they've they've tried they've tried drafting bigs a lot. Um, a lot of them have Kai last year. Yeah. It didn't yeah. And, already and so. Happen. I, I think that um, I, I like the Mark Williams pick there, but yeah, Paul, if, if Duran's there, like I think Duran's the top like five that really is going to go like that. Absolutely outside of Chet or anything, but um, if, if, yeah, if Duran's there, love it. But if not, I, I think Mark Williams is a natural fit for them. It seems all but a lock for Williams to go to the Hornets in some way. Yep. I, I want to share my one fear for him is, he very, very, very rarely switches on ball screens, which is obviously ball screens is even more an NBA NBA set that he'll see. Very rarely switches on the guards. He loves staying home, which is fine. But like Rudy Gobert gets trashed for not being able to, quote unquote, not being able to switch when the, the reality of it is they, they have no perimeter defense. Donovan Mitchell is not a good perimeter defender. He's small. They like, that's what basically makes him Rudy vulnerable when he's guarding two guys on the pick and roll. He has to step out against Trey Young, who's going to run in circles or whatever, or like Luca. Yep. And I think that's going to be the same issue. Mark Williams, who doesn't want to switch, and he's going to have to switch with playing with LaMelo and Rozier on defense and stuff like that. And I don't think it's going to help. He's not going to get trashed for it right away because Gobert's held the higher standards, but eventually he might be held to that. And people are going to be like, oh, wow, we didn't see this coming. Do you think they'll just throw him in drop coverage and hope that his length can, can protect him? I think that's what he did at Duke and it worked, but I don't think it works at the next level so easily. And that's why yeah. you like, that's what holds me back for him. He's going to be this big yeah. defensive anchor. He's never going to win a defensive player of the year, which people want him to in that yeah. kind of coverage. And he can work on it, but like it's, a, it's a lot of agility based things and also IQ and awareness and picking up in the right moments and stuff like that. So that's a worry for me that people don't talk about enough about Mark. Yep. One time that Mark Williams did try to switch was on a underneath out of bounds against Virginia, where he gave up. Yeah, all right, bro. All right, bro. All right, bro. Go on mute. Go on Dude, mute. Go on to mute. the one person that should have won ACC Defensive Player of the Year, but we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, all right, two things, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, if 1984 and 2003 <laughs> are the, you know, the the goats of of drafts. Where does is this an A, a B plus? To me, it feels like a, a solid 87, you know, like an 88, 87, 88, a really good B plus draft. That's how it feels to me. It's easy to get locked up in like the always thinking classes are good during. I do it all the time because like I like I've been watching so much of these guys. I'm like, oh, this guy's good. He's gonna translate. This guy's also good. There's so many good players. So I try to like limit that. It's tough. It's not like last year where it's so t there's it's like top heavy where they have the top tier talent. There's going to yeah. be like multiple all stars out of last year's draft, 100. There could be out of this year, 
I don't think the top tier talent is there this year. The top three guys would have been top three this year again also. And then like Chet and Jabari and Paolo would be four, five, six. And, but I think it's deeper than most years. So that's what balances out. I think if you like, I have like 38 first round grades on guys. I have like, I think like 18 or 19 lottery grades on guys. I think there's a lot of deep talent. Like Jalen Williams is going to go in the teens or twenties. Like he, if you told me he's going to be the prime James Harden in a few years, I swear I wouldn't be surprised. Like stuff like that, where I see a lot of depth in the class. I think it's somewhere slightly above average. Cause when you look back at like 2020, LaMelo and Ant's class, after the first 12 or 13 players, it drops off a cliff already. Yeah. And there's still time for those guys, but like, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think you'll get like 20 to 30, like really, really, really good situational role players and stuff like that. So. Yep. What, um, perfect transition. Who, what, what sleepers you got in the second round? Second round. Um, it like depends who obviously who falls in the second round. Josh Minot's one. Cause I think lack of college production and play is the big reason he played like 14 minutes in Memphis average, like six points. 6'8", 6'11", wingspan, like modern, athletic, versatile wing. A team like the Raptors has guys like that. He reminds me a lot of OG Ananobi. People will say, oh, he's a bad three-pointer. He shot 14%. He literally shot 14 threes all year. And like his mechanics aren't great. They actually look a lot better in workouts. And a good projection of that is free throw shooting. He shot 75% from the line. Like he's a guy that I buy into 100%. And he's going to go in the 30s, maybe even early 40s. Love him as a steal. If Christian Braun slides, that's a... Damn shame because he's a steal. And then also Bryce McGowan's literally could be, he told me he's scoring 20, 25 in three, four years. I think that makes about sense. He's, he reminds me a lot of Jordan Poole, Bryce McGowan's. Yep. So yeah, Uh, it'll be interesting. Paul, I'm curious while we're on that, there's a couple guys that are fringe first, probably second round guys, Keels and Wendell Moore. Uh, Obviously um, there's fit. I could, is there one that you would, if blank slate, you prioritize over the other. And do you think that like, say the guys that are picking at the end of the first, which is clearly it's going to be Denver, Memphis, Golden State, Miami. Those are the like last five. Are they guys that you can plug into a championship caliber, a championship aspiration having team from your, for your Duke boys? I don't know, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm way lower on window more than you would expect. Um, I, yeah, I, I just – I don't see him being – I think he's like a permanent, like, 8-9 guy who averages like 14 to 16 minutes a game his entire career, and he turns into a 3-and-D, um, which, again, not a bad – second round, right. At, like, yeah, yeah. Again, like, that's what you're getting. Uh, and then Trevor, man, you want to talk about somebody who – who aced his first quiz and then just got seized the rest of the year. And everybody at the teacher was like, yo, what happened? You got a, you got a, a 101, you got bonus points in your first uh, test and you were average ever, ever since now he got hurt. I get it. Um, but he's a weird one to me. I, I have no, I actually have no clue. He, to me, if he's playing overseas in China, making $2 million a year in six years, I'm like, yeah, okay. Or if he's just like a role guy in six years, I'm like, yeah, okay. He, he got to the right fit. I really don't know. Good point. Yeah. The one guy I, just, I do want to point out, and it's interesting. I, I'm very intrigued. I think it's a second round guy is EJ Liddell. I think EJ Liddell. Yeah, I thought he'd be in the someone first. That, I mean, he's older. Um, I read, I, I believe it's, I mean, he's got, he's six, seven, but I think he's got like a seven foot or seven one wingspan. Yeah. He's a freak. And, and so he, and 
you can play in a lot of different ways. Someone, the comp that I saw was basically like Grant Williams. And he's a guy that like, you can play in different ways. You can handle the ball. He's not like incredibly athletic, um, but he's solid defensively. He can rebound. I like him. And then the other one that I'm interested to see just where he goes, if he honestly even gets drafted, I think it is, is Isaiah Mobley. Like, is someone going to take a flyer on him, throw him on a two-way deal or throw him in the G League, let him develop just because of, Honestly, like the fact that how good his brother has been in Cleveland, like I, I, I said last year, I think he was Evan was my favorite prospect in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really interested to see one if if he gets picked up. And then the last one I just want to point to is Peyton Watson. As there was someone that from UCLA and someone that said if Peyton Watson had gone G League route, he'd be a lottery pick. But because <laughs> he went to UCLA and like show that which. It's so interesting with the more that we get these G League Ignite guys, the more we're going to get some of these overtime guys, guys that don't want to show like or get exposed. Um, There's guys like that, that you there's talent there and are someone willing to take a flyer. But um, yeah, that those are the three that I want to point out that I think it'll be really interesting to watch. I don't have any gut feel of where they're going to go, but I definitely want to keep an eye on. It's a good point about the G. I'm a big proponent of the G League Ignite for a lot of, especially the younger guys like Scoo Henderson, who's like 17, 18 now. Um, other guys, like I mentioned about Amani Bates, I actually wish he would have went that route after this year. St- just like stuff like that, where like I think it actually prepares them well for the NBA and gains their confidence NBA style game. The EJ Odell thing is interesting because like I've seen some second round stuff on him, and that makes no sense. Like to, I. He could go as no sense. Like he would average nineteen yeah. and eight in the Big Ten, and he can shoot. He's a really good shot blocker. I think he yep. was like second or third in athletic tests and vertical jump. He he reminds me more of like an undersized five rather than like of a, a versatile four. Like I said, like PJ Washington is someone I kind of comp to. Not really spot on, but like good shot blocker. He plays a lot bigger than you think he is. He can shoot very very well. And like if you, I'm looking at the order. Look at contenders, contenders, playoff teams. The Bulls at 18, even the T-Wolves at 19, the Nuggets at 21, the Grizzlies at 22, the Sixers at 23, the Bucks at 24. Like, these teams are not letting him go in the second round. There's just no chance. I hope not, so like he, you guys he, said. Listen, we we just praised Mark Williams. EJ Liddell ate that dude up. Now, look, it's, <laughs> one, it's one game. I get no, it. Yeah. But Liddell had, like, 30. I, you know, he crushed Duke. So, he can do He's it. It's so easy to slot into a, a – the Sixers took him. They would play him probably like twenty minutes a game, twenty minutes a, a game, night, yep. day one, and try to win with him. Like that's great. Yep. I have two last quick questions for you guys. I want to get your takes on one. Who has the long? I, I guess I could frame this two ways. Who lasts more than two years, or who has a longer career? Kofi Coburn or Trevion Williams? I'd say uh, Trevion with that Williams. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Heartbeat. You think Trevion? He's too good I, a passer. Just, yeah. That you don't come by those guys often at all. You come by Kofi. This is not, I'm not trying to slight him. I, people no. think I hate the guy. Like, I just, you come by those guys more often than you come by a Trevion Williams. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. And then last piece Does Colin Gillespie get a chance? Is he an NBA guy? Can he find a way to carve out more than two years in the NBA on a roster? You're basically asking, is he going to be Archie Diakno or Jalen Brown? Or TJ McConnell or like <laughs> it, just stereotype. Oh, maybe he could be TJ McConnell. Paul was saying no at first. I, uh, I'll, I, I'll, I'll say first. no. To, to answer the question, I'll say no. I'll say yes. I think he's 100% going to be on NBA first team roster to start the year, not in a G League deal. And like in a Bucks, on the Bucks rotational guards or something like that. They're like needs guards and just throw them yep. in for like six minutes a game. I'll take... 
I hope he's no, he's not R2D act now. He he's <laughs> he's much better floor general and a much better, not much better. He's a more efficient shooter than R2D act no was coming out of college. I'll I'll say yes. It is wild though, just especially watching the finals. Like you get we have 60, 70, 80 guys that you're you're talking about. I don't think anyone last year, second round, fringe guys, anyone was talking about um you know, like Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser ended up like right. playing in the finals for this. Like obviously garbage, garbage time minutes. That's a good point though. But it's kind of crazy that you get some of these guys that like find a way, it's like they stick on a roster and whether it's meaningful minutes or not, um, some of the guys you you would expect to be in there aren't. And then there's like I, I would never have thought Sam, I thought Sam Hauser would be straight to Europe. Prop maybe is after a year or so, but um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see once once we get there. Yeah, um, I will give you guys one more thing by the way before you go that I found on the Boncaro stuff. Duke guy also the Boncaro like the odds we saw earlier. Someone in the Magic front office they were doing an interview and they asked if he did a workout or not, and they refused to answer. And the basically this reporter is like, I thought a lot about why I'll quote this. I thought a lot about why a franchise and player or player's agent wouldn't want the public to know about a certain workout, especially at the top. I still can't come up with a good reason. And this was earlier today. So like, I think that's part of like, there's something happening. Maybe they were brought him in for a workout and they're like, we're not going to tell anybody because we loved it so much. And we have to think about this now. So maybe that's, maybe that's happening. Very interesting. All right. So truly the last thing um, (laughs) we, we, we have to start like standardizing the end of our episodes and we've started to a little (laughs) bit more now. Um, but we're going to give you the green light for a hot take. It can be about the draft. It can be (laughs) about anything you want. We've gotten travel hot takes. We've gotten food hot takes. We've gotten basketball hot takes. We've gotten, uh, city hot takes. Like don't ever move to this city. (laughs) We've gotten, it can be any hot take that you share, uh, or you believe in, or it could just be super, it could be about the draft, whatever you want. Uh, but go ahead. You got the green light. Well, I don't have any like food stuff that comes to mind and stuff like that. Like that's, that's tough. Um, I, I guess I'll give you a draft one first, maybe. Yeah. And then like, whatever, um, I'll give you a hot take that I actually don't fully believe in. How about that? That I think this might happen anyway, that Dale and Terry goes in the end of the lottery. Oh, in the lottery. Okay. And there's a hot one that I don't know if I honestly, I don't think there's much less of a chance of it happening. Um, and maybe have a Boncaro going number one. There's a hot take. Yeah. Um, a hot take other than that, like, I don't know. Like, it's not really a hot take to say like Chick Fil A sauce is the best condiment ever. Like, I hate ketchup. I hate a lot of things. Love Chick Fil A, best thing Chick-fil-A ever. Sauce. It's literally the There's best. There's a thing reason all it's time. in grocery stores now. You can get the full bottle. Well, I have like everything. the squirt bottles. Yeah. I have oh yeah. In my fridge. You hate ketchup. Hate it. That's, Disgusting. That's. A- and I even I even don't like mayo. Like regular mustard. I I hate condiments. Chick Fil A sauce is the best thing I've ever had in my life. It's versatile. It, it, it is very versatile. If we're drafting we're gonna for do versatility, enough. if we're drafting for versatility, it's true. Oh upside, man, Jabari upside. Smith, Chick Fil A sauce. Yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Red Hot is the number one versatile condiment. I mean, it's not close. I disagree. Like, I, what are like, we talking about? The slogan is "It goes on everything." Yeah, like the old lady that says that is it was it Betty White or someone else? R.I.P. Like I don't know. Like. I no, I got. I don't think so. I put it on like some wings. That's about it. Yeah, bro. Wings, eggs. Oh, he- oh, hell no. People put ketchup. I, now, here's a hot take. If you put ketchup or anything like that on wings, red hot sauce, you are gross. You are disgusting. I, I put both. I put both of them on there. The same time. 
Oh yeah. Oh no. Nasty. Red hot and ketchup on eggs. Eggs are already like you don't need extra this moisture. There's if you make them right, they're supposed to be moist with some cheese. Oh, no, no, they're good. They're great. Yeah. No. You and Patrick Dang. Mahomes can just go eat your ketchup together. How yeah. glad don't we talk. Loop, yeah. Don't loop me in with Patrick. Um, but yeah, we got to do a whole nother episode about condiments. We'll do that next time. Um, all right, uh, Ryan, where can everybody follow you and uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff? Uh, Twitter is at RyanHammer09, uh, Instagram and TikTok at RyanHammer09. Um, I think YouTube's RyanHammer9 too, but um, yeah, those are the spots. Basically, just Google Ryan Hammer Nine. And I don't know. I hope, I hope it comes up. I hope I've done enough that it'll just pop up. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. We appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, draft. It, we recorded this Monday night. We'll drop this tomorrow. Draft is Thursday or Friday? Yeah. Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, draft is Thursday. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a couple beers, watch that, and see how wrong we all were. Exactly. I appreciate y'all, yeah. as always, having right, me on. Thank um, you. Talk to you soon. See ya. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors were closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, plus Russell's up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.